The following program is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association. Lead Tennessee Radio, conversations with the leaders moving our state forward. We look at the issues shaping Tennessee's future, rural development, public policy, broadband, health care, and other topics impacting our communities. Hello, I'm Carrie Huckabee, the Executive Director of the Tennessee Broadband Association. And tomorrow kicks off National Agriculture Week with March 21st designated as National Agriculture Day. So on this episode of Lee Tennessee Radio, it seems only fitting to talk about technology and precision agriculture. What part does it play in putting food on the table? Why is it important to farming sustainability here in Tennessee, the nation, and globally? Well, my guest will be helping us understand these very things. Dr. Lori Duncan is Associate Professor, Row Crop Sustainability Specialist, Biosystems Engineering and Soil Science at the University of Tennessee. And she's one of the few in the country focused on row crop sustainability and spends a lot of her time, boots on the ground, out in the field, literally, working and talking with Tennessee farmers. She also provides support to the extension agents in all 95 counties across the state. So she's a very busy person, and I'm thrilled she's joined us. Welcome, Lori. It's good to have you here. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me and for that introduction. You're welcome. Well, for those that may not be familiar with the term precision agriculture or sometimes called smart farming, or those that haven't really thought about how technology, broadband, and farming go together. Tell us what it is and describe some of the technology or the platforms that fall under that definition. Sure. So most people that aren't directly involved in agriculture have preconceived notions of farmers and farms um, in the U.S., and they don't realize the level of sophistication and technology that we're using on so many farms in Tennessee Uh, Precision agriculture is a concept where we measure variability within a crop field or a livestock herd, and we respond to that in a site-specific or an animal-specific manner. So instead of applying fertilizer at the same rate over a field, we can actually vary that rate across the field, only applying what is required in the place where we've measured it. Um, With robotic milkers, dairies can collect animal-specific data to assist in handling nutrition um, specific to each cow. So the level of sophistication that we're to now, um, I think, is surprising to a lot of people. I I agree. I was reading an article um, a few weeks ago that one of our telcos had put in their regional telco magazine, and it was all about dairy farming and how specific they could be with milk production. So... I hadn't really thought about it. You know, I'd thought more about crops, but I hadn't really thought about the dairy industry and precision tools and methods. So, yeah, yeah. I deal mostly in, in row crops, um, but we have plenty of faculty that focus on precision livestock farming. Um, and it is interesting the, um, the amount of technologies they have now, specifically in poultry farms, um, dairy farms, and, uh, and a lot of beef cattle now. Well, you mentioned uh, the fertilizer and being able to determine which parts of the field need the fertilizer. What other things fall under precision agriculture? What are some of the other tools? I, I think I've read about GPS, which that's probably used for water and fertilizer. 
Um, what's some of the other tools that are used under precision agriculture? Oh man, there's so many. So um, yeah, GPS was kind of the the foundation of uh, precision agriculture. So we have to know where we are in a field, and so we can um, know where to apply the input, either whether it be seed or water or fertilizer or herbicide. And um, so yeah, G- GPS, you know, back in the '90s, really started off this big push towards the ability to do precision agriculture. Um, so now we have we see a lot of auto guidance, um, which is you know where we can have autonomous tractors ultimately. But right now, um, you know it can self drive or it can keep us within a row, so we are are driving our tractor exactly where it needs to be. Um, we also have drones now, and that's been a, a big thing in the last five to ten years. So we have drones that monitor our crops for crop health. Um, it can identify a spot in the field that's maybe doing poorly that we can't see from the edge. Um, So there's a a lot of technologies that kind of fall under that precision ag um, umbrella, including temporal things. So um, irrigation scheduling is a big one. If we want to know when to irrigate a crop, we can use soil moisture sensors um, in the ground that can communicate with that center pivot um, and, and actually trigger that irrigation event. Um, the tools that are out there today to help be more efficient and more productive. It still amazes me, even when I I read about it and hear about it. Um, And I saw some stats from Farm Bureau the other day, and I was surprised to learn that there are are almost 70,000 farms in our state alone, and that 40% of our land mass is farms. That Average acreage, I think, reported was around 154 acres. There was 64% crops, 36% livestock. But I know, like as we talked a little earlier about hobby farming, you know, there's the agritourism, community gardens, things like that. But in your opinion, does it matter how large or small the farm is, whether they can use these smart farming techniques? And I imagine sustainability is important no matter the acreage or whether they've been farming five years or 50 years. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I think any farm, regardless of size or commodity, can utilize these techniques, these smart farming techniques. Um, some of the technologies do lend themselves to larger acreages um, just due to scale um, and the ROI. So if you have um, you know, more production ground that you're spreading that input, that capital cost over, and um, then, you know, your, your payback period will be shorter. Um, but I mean, we can, you know, you can soil test gardens in a, a very small grid size and be able to apply, you know, fertilizers um, very specifically to individual plants, individual sections of your garden. Um, so I definitely think that, that we can scale these technologies. Um, you know, sometimes we have issues making these technologies work to the fullest capability. And one of the issues we have is we need a method of wireless communication. Um, so some of these different products on the market, uh, say for irrigation or um, GPS collars on cattle, um, farmers are having to use cell phone modems that are dedicated for that one purpose. Or some of these things use Bluetooth or, you know, radio communications. Um, But ultimately, we have to have Internet access to get that data back to the farmer. Um, Many of these things are app-based. And so 
um, to get that information to the farmer who needs to make the ultimate decision um, on whatever the management is at that point, um, you know, we have to have internet. So some of our rural, rural parts of the state, that's still a very real challenge for us, as you well know. Right. And we talked about that a little bit before uh, the podcast, but that there are spots in Tennessee without or limited broadband access. And and our members are working, you know, to ensure that that gets solved. So I know the limited connectivity and plus sounds like they, there's uh, the need for wireless devices to also make that work, um, that that's a challenge that's still evolving. What are some of the other hurdles, though, besides the connectivity? What are other things to overcome for the ag community in order to utilize the technology or to make changes to their operations? Are there other things that hold them back from accepting um, accepting it? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the high, high initial cost of any kind of technology um, is a barrier. Uh, we've seen a lot of technologies come down in price um, which is interesting because at the same time we're seeing things like fertilizer and seed prices increasing substantially. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point there's a trade-off there. But, you know, we've also seen with drones, for example, um, I purchased an airplane style fixed wing drone, um, I'd say six or seven years ago, maybe a little bit longer for $30,000. And that same product today is, is only worth $9,000. So, There's been, you know, as technologies come out and evolve, um, we're going to see those prices drop off. Um, So I would say the the capital costs of of getting into some kind of high level of technology um, is a real barrier. And also education. Um, You know, some of our our farmers just aren't familiar with some of these technologies and just need more exposure to them. Um, I've had a lot more calls recently. And like I said, I I work primarily with row crops, but... Um, More recently, I get a lot of calls from our agents in um, counties of a lot of cattle farmers, and they're wanting to look at guidance options um, as they spray and fertilize their pastures Mm -hmm. um, and hay ground. So I think that just having that exposure and knowing they have somebody to call on for help um, is really important. Yes, I agree. Have you found in your research with um, you said you said you concentrate on row crop. Uh, it, have you found that there's one row crop that does better with the technology than another, or does it affect cotton, corn, soybeans all the same? Um, I mean, I think that you know, with certain crops like corn, um, requires quite a bit of nitrogen, um, mm-hmm. which is you know environmentally sensitive to put on a lot of nitrogen. It's also really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we see a lot more benefit with certain technologies like variable rate application. Um, so I think they all benefit. Um, I don't, I don't see any crop that doesn't benefit from, from these technologies, but some more so than others. Makes sense. Another Farm Bureau stat I saw says that farming uh, has a current economic impact of $81 billion. I mean, that's billion. Wow. It's amazing. Um, if farms are using these precision ag tools like the auto guidance, precision irrigation, I even saw machine fleet analytics, 
Is there data showing the expected impact technology will have on crop production, maybe in the next five years or even 10? Is that one of the things that you talk about in research? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's, you know, the data is going to be very specific to that technology. Um, But Precision Ag is all about increasing efficiency. So that means that we're optimizing the level of production, whether that's higher yields, better quality forage, healthier livestock, whatever that commodity is, we're optimizing it to the amount of inputs we're going to put into the system. Um, So from that economic standpoint, um, this means our farmers are optimizing their inputs instead of oversupplying. Sometimes that means they buy less fertilizer or less seed. Sometimes it means they buy more. Um, The bottom line is that they're making better use of those products where they're needed and when they're needed. So lending from that to the environmental perspective, this means that more of the fertilizers, more of the herbicides, more of the irrigation water is used where it's needed and it's not running off into our waterways. Which is very important. Yes, very important. And so break that down. What does that mean to me as the average Tennessee consumer um, if the farmers are using these kind of uh, technologies and it's being more efficient? Does that mean lower food costs for me at the grocery store? Um, I mean, I think that, that you can make the argument that at one point it would um, if the farmers are getting to optimize, you know, their inputs. But I think it means that we, as a society, are, are doing a better job. Um, so we're, we're optimizing those, those yields and that product and doing less harm to the environment. Um, so that means, you know, better drinking water for all of us. That means, um, you know, better products for all of us. So I think that, you know, you could make the argument that, that it could make a price difference, but ultimately I think us moving forward as a society and being sensitive to the limited resources we have um, is, is what we're seeing in agriculture right now. Yeah, it's all about the sustainability part, I think. Well, for the hobby farmer or the full-time farmer, the wannabe farmer out there interested, Mm -hmm. if if they want to learn more about sustainability, how to keep their farm viable, do they contact their local extension agent or where do they find these resources to learn more about what you're doing every day and the benefits of your research? Yes, please visit our, your local Tennessee Extension agent. We have University of Tennessee and Tennessee State University Extension agents in every county across the state. So all you have to do is Google UT or TSU Extension and your county name, um, and their website will come up. But they are a wealth of knowledge themselves. Um, I can focus on my specific um, subject matter, but they are so knowledgeable in every area. Um, And then they can get you in contact with myself or any of the other subject matter experts um, at the university. They can also connect you to resources like the local FSA office, uh, NRCS office, um, anything like that. They've got those local relationships and connections that really um, is meaningful and impactful to to the residents. And I think UT also has field days, do they not, throughout the year where they're concentrating on different subjects? Yes, absolutely. Um, We have, 
I believe the number now is 10 uh, research and education centers across the state that focus on, um, you know, the commodities that are, are specific to that area. Um, and they all have their own individual field days every year. Um, so please check those out. Um, you can look at the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture website and there's events listings on there. Great. I think I actually saw one on precision agriculture, maybe later in the year, maybe September or something like that. So lots of helpful information out there. Yes, definitely. We also have um, extension publications if you're interested in, in looking at any of those, but they're all on our website. Great. Well, Lori, as I mentioned, it's National Agriculture Week. Any special plans this week that, that uh, you celebrate the week? Um, I, I specifically have two young daughters, so we we spend a lot of time with them reading and telling them about agriculture. And, you know, we live in Knoxville, so they don't get to see a whole lot of agriculture unless it's through mom. So um, I think it's just really important that that we're communicating to our youth um, and to the, you know, 99% of the people that aren't involved in agriculture uh, like you and I. So just spending time um, educating those individuals and answering questions. Yeah, I think that's very important. My, my two grandchildren came to visit this past weekend or for spring break last week, and we got outside as much as we could, weather permitting. But, you know, it is different from they, for them, and it's educational, you know, to see, you know, the gardening and, and things that you can do. So it is very important, I think, to spread that knowledge to our youth and get them interested in agriculture for sure. Yes, absolutely. Anything you'd like to add or anything we uh, should look for, you know, looking into your crystal ball for the future, Lori, um, mm -hmm. anything you think we'll see in agriculture? I think that we're just at the beginning of what precision agriculture is going to do. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of development in the last just two years. Um, we're looking at uh, autonomous tractors being on the market, um, you know, high-speed tractors, anything that can increase our efficiency, um, you know, I think we're, we're going to see it. So I guess just stay tuned. I think that's good. Well, thank you, Lori. I really appreciate your time. I know you're very busy. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. This was fantastic. Great. Well, my guest has been Dr. Lori Duncan, Associate Professor, Row Crop Sustainability, Specialist Biosystems Engineering, and Soil Science at the University of Tennessee. And you've been listening to Lee Tennessee Radio, produced by the Tennessee Broadband Association, cooperative and independent companies connecting our state's rural communities and beyond with world-class broadband. <music>